1: Back again on the Secret Friends Unite podcasting network. This is Code 47, episode 103. I am your humble host, Trek Lord of West Michigan, Charlie Carden, coming at you to talk about some Star Trek. I am joined, as always, by my faithful companions all the way to, to my left, to my extreme left would be the fantastic Kay. How are you? We've missed you.
2: I- I'm doing very well. Thank you.
1: Oh, excellent. And then uh, my my partner in crime, who's going to stick with me for this entire episode, is because we're going to talk about Kay's absolutely least favorite Star Trek, that would be Enterprise in the second half of this deal. Uh, that would be Missy Merchant. Missy, how are you?
3: Uh, I'm great. Glad to be back, as always.
1: Excellent. Absolutely. And extra special guest uh, for the first part of the show is the Xbox one extension. Oh, damn it. I, Luke, I got it wrong. Uh, this is Luke <laughs> <Lord. Xbox>
2: expansion <laughs> pass. Thank you
1: so much. I just, you know, extra good at this kind of stuff, but uh, no, Luke is back with us. And Luke, it's funny. We were talking about like, man, I know you were on before, but then woo, it, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. You know what? Cause we just moved forward, but yeah. How are you, my friend? Thank you for joining us. Talk about strange new worlds. Oh, I am ecstatic to be here. You know, I love
0: Star Trek and my schedule is not always allowing uh, me to do so. So I'm right. so excited to be here.
1: Uh, I oh, I'm so excited to talk about Strange New Worlds. Yes. that's great. Well, we we've uh, you know after episode 100, we've had we've had a little bit of expansion in our kind of our, our stable of co-hosts, and I have uh, one chat with everybody when I say who's available at this date and this time, and someone will say me, 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 not me, not me, not me, and so you're going to see a combination of of Kay and Missy, Jen, Peter. And maybe even Luke sometimes, if if he's so inclined, and it might be for half the show, it might be for all the show. But you're you're getting a a fair combination of some totally awesome voices. So, well, cool. Well, uh, we have uh, we have kind of a good news, bad news thing. Uh, Well, excuse me, I don't put the cart before the horse. We have news. In so much that it's a good news, bad news thing. So our extremely bad news uh, came yesterday. Uh, And uh, Todd and I were talking about this on SFU Prime, which you'll hear uh, tomorrow if you're listening to this uh, on Monday when this drops. But uh, Star Trek Prodigy has been canceled by Paramount+. Plus, uh, Seasons 1 and the now nearly completed Season 2 are being shopped around to other networks. Um, this was a, a an atomic bomb that was dropped on Fandom yesterday. Uh, I was uh, I, I was right along there with the crowd that took to Twitter, t- that took to other social medias uh, to protest this. Uh, the show was canceled along with a program called Grease Rise of the Pink Ladies, which April and I watched an episode of, and we were like, meh. Uh, and a uh, program called Called Queen of the Universe, a competition series. Queen of the Universe. That, I think that's RuPaul, isn't it? I feel like I heard RuPaul's name thrown out there somewhere. Nobody crickets. I don't. Okay. I don't know. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, 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 I don't apologize. I don't know either. Um, but yeah, they uh, Paramount Plus is jumping on the bandwagon with Disney and Warner Brothers Discovery and having fun with uh, taking tax write offs for underperforming series. So, I mean. <laughs> The obvious component of it is is that none of us are happy about this. We all love it. I'm doing some solidarity, wearing my Prodigy badge today. But, guys, how, what, I mean, I won't say how we're feeling, but tell tell me what we're thinking. K.
2: Well, I mean, y'all, if you've heard my thoughts about Prodigy, you know it wasn't my favorite show. Like, I was right. appreciating where it was going. You know, the characters were getting better. Um, but I think it's more indicative of the problem that streaming services are having, where they're expecting a huge rush of. Right fandom immediately right off the bat like regular
1: ratings back in the old days right right? and
2: i i have a feeling like if parks and rec was done today it wouldn't have made it past its first season
0: like the office uh, might have not
2: made it past its first season you know you have all of these shows that go for you know seven eight seasons and it wasn't something where the first and second season had a huge following but it gets picked up as word of mouth especially because they're not doing a lot of you know promotional materials like they're expecting word of mouth to catch forward right and so few shows end up having like a stranger things or game of throne level right. fever to them that lightning that, in
1: the bottle yeah
2: <laughs> yeah and so i just feel like they're just expecting everything to be a blockbuster and if it's not they're like eh, we don't need it then and yeah. all you're who doing about, is pissing the off the thing. people yeah. yeah and so then they end up embittered and they might cancel their service because they're like why bother? Like, there's a lot of them. I don't start watching a show until the second season is confirmed.
1: Right. Right. Because well, it's it's the same thing. I mean, I'll be honest. Yeah. SFU with Oxford and he'll be like, oh, there's this new season of blah, blah, blah. This new show is this thing or that thing. And I'm like, yeah, well, you know what? Let them get some episodes under the belt and then let me hear about the buzz. And if I hear right. about the buzz, you know, maybe I'll check it out. So, Luke, what about you? As- I'm bummed because Prod- Prodigy was built to
0: bring in Star Trek fans, yeah. younger Star Trek fans, and while a- Prodigy was never for me, it's a loss because that has been something that I think Star Trek in general has struggled with, which is bringing in uh, younger audiences and I have friends, teacher friends who would put that on during lunch. They would oh, would have man. that, you know, for kids to see to realize that Star Trek mm-hmm. has something for them and Yeah. um that's that was the best part about Prodigy. You know, its storyline allowed for young people to get into it, and uh, there are some unresolved storylines in there.
1: At least I don't know if they're are they finishing season two. Well, it it, that that's the buzz, but again, this is news from from yesterday. Okay. Um, and again, I, I just have this feeling, and T- Todd and I did not agree about this when we were recording um, that the the outpouring of vitriol in the direction of Paramount may may cause some action but the the biggest part of it much to case point is that if this was canceled because it's an underperforming program who are they shopping it to who's right. going to pick this up who's left mm-hmm. you know what to pick your this up what
0: were yeah. the
1: expectations of an underperforming children's
0: show on a niche streaming service you know right. in a market that exactly. has not marketed to kids before like the expectations need to be just in order for it to reach uh, certain milestones and i don't yeah. feel like it was there for prodigy and that stinks uh, absolutely. Well, and that's
2: like to, um, you know, zoom out a little bit. That's part of what's going on with the writer's strike right now is that they yeah. want transparency on how shows are performing because these streaming services keep it so close to the chest that right. for all we know, Prodigy was amazing. Right. But they're just canceling it because they're like, mm, we don't want to do it anymore. And, you know, we have the numbers to back up that it was actually really, really successful. So we can sell it off. Right. But, you know, because we literally
3: have no idea.
1: Right, I find somebody. by Missy, you you have not had your chime in, so chime in, please.
3: And, and just to jump in off, okay, of you know, with the the writer strike, it's also a perfect opportunity for them to say, if we don't want to finish it, we don't have to pay out for it. We can right. just outsource it as is.
1: Yeah, yeah exactly. Ugh. Yuck! It,
3: it was also not my favorite Star Trek, but I feel the loss again for the next generation to kind of usher in mm-hmm. some kids to Star Trek. Even when we're working in the conventions, you know, people come over with kids. We're like, hey, have you heard of Prodigy? It's a really great way to introduce your kids to it. And even you know, in the meantime, until it's getting shopped out, if anybody brings it up, you know, somebody's like, hey, where do I watch that? We're going to be like, hmm don't
1: know <laughs> yeah i mean we we worked a show last summer uh in grand haven uh that was an anime show where we just we showed that entire series um because it because it was perfect fit and then we had we uh we did a panel a couple of april and and Lori, who's number one of our crew members did a panel about animation and prodigy was the feature uh and now for all intents and purposes it's being erased from canon because it could essentially go into non-existence. Um, in the meantime, the first 10 episodes are available uh, for purchase on hard copy. They're selling out everywhere. I did read that as a headline this morning. So if you go to Amazon or Walmart or wherever selling out, I jumped on Fandango Voodoo and snagged it. So I own the first 10 episodes. So I guess those still exist, but uh, this, is, this is a bad situation. We'll continue to update on this, um, certainly by the next time we do another episode, if there's more news. So, okay. Let's at least move on to some happy news before we jump into talking about Strange Worlds. Okay, when April and I were on the cruise several months ago, Andrew Robinson, the actor who played Garrick, was a featured uh, guest on the cruise, and he had a panel where he read excerpts from his uh, 1999 novel, A Stitch in Time, which came out Mere months after the the end of Star Trek Deep Space Nine, Garrick, of course, the simple tailor, the, one of the very favorite members of the DS9 supporting cast, uh, he popped up there, read a beautiful excerpt from the book, which I don't know that I've read it. I went ahead and purchased it, but I'm so bad at reading stuff. I, I have not <laughs> touched it. Has, has anybody here read this book?
2: I have not. No, because you told me that there was an audio book coming out, so I was like, "Why would I read it when exactly. he could read it to me?" And <laughs> I yeah, was
1: right, because that's exactly what's what is happening. We did get word; uh, Andy did mention uh, that he was hoping, and he probably had it in the bag, but he was trying to create a little bit of suspense um, that this is coming out. So I'm looking for a date, August 1st. I already have it pre-ordered through because uh, you can do that through uh, Audible, is is which is through Amazon. Another Evil Empire uh, is where you can snag that. So I've got that, and uh, yeah. Please Please go out and buy it yourself you know and, and if you don't buy it yourself let me know and maybe i'll share my password with you maybe i won't we'll see what happens but uh <laughs> i'm i'm very excited to see this happen uh you know what he read to us was, was absolutely terrific um and who the hell doesn't like garrick you know what i'm saying he exactly. is literally the best character on star trek deep space
0: nine mm-hmm. and one of the characters that i think helped elevate star trek overall because he brought complexity yeah more mm-hmm. uh that 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 introduced kind of the spy aspect that introduced kind of uh, shadow organizations within star Trek, but because prior to Garrick, uh, we didn't have very many allusions to shadow organizations in next gen uh, at all. Yeah. Uh, much less Voyager and whatnot. So like, it was kind of cool to think that, Oh wait, there are governments and then there are shadow governments. There are people renegades within each of these. And that's what DS nine did for Star Trek in general, which was add layers. Yeah. Um, and then we've seen section 31, kind of parlay out from, uh, I think the, the origins of what Garrick was. That's
1: when, when they found that they had an audience for that. Right. Track. The cloak and dagger stuff. Yeah, so exactly. You
3: say, Commander.
1: Yes, indeed. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Well, cool. Well, I look forward to this and uh you know, if we all end up listening to it, perhaps it's uh, perhaps we'll do a, a little micro review on it. Once we get into August after Vegas because three of us will be at Vegas. Luke, I I mean, it's probably, you know, probably not your bailiwick, but maybe someday. Um, (laughs) Yeah, no, I'm excited. April and I are are doing a drive out there. It's Kay's first time out there. Missy is a veteran. She's been there a gazillion times. So really very excited um, to have that. Actually, gosh, April and I can listen to it on the way out because it comes out on the first and we'll be driving. So mm, very exciting. Anyway. All right. Let's move on to to the meat talking about the return of strange new worlds uh, season two coming out uh, a little little over a year after the release of season one um, I've mentioned you know several times that I was fortunate enough working my connections through Kurt who's a journalist friend of mine that I got a screener for, with the first six episodes so I had previously seen these about two weeks ago I went back uh, and watched them again today um, and I'm, I'm just I just continue to be blown away this season is just gonna annihilate everybody's brain. Oh, my God. Uh, Kay, if you would be so kind to do the honors to read us about uh, uh, episode one, The Broken Circle.
2: Yes, we have um, episode one, The Broken Circle. A distress call from Lieutenant Noonien Singh compels Spock to disobey orders and take the USS Enterprise and its crew to a disputed space, risking renewed hostilities with the Klingons in a bid to aid their shipmate. And I thought this was just a great way to start off the season. It was just absolutely fantastic. And I found out later that the reason why Pike was just not in it was because, uh, Anson's wife had actually just had a baby.
1: Oh, I I heard that was happening. Yeah. Yeah.
2: They planned, you know, nine months in advance that he just would not be in this first episode. So they specifically wrote it to just focus on the rest of the crew. It's yeah. it's uh,
1: it's the reverse of what happens when there's a it, back in the old days when there was a, a pregnant, you know, cat female cast member or whatever it is to be like, oh, she's off visiting. They did that on family ties. Oh, you know, mom is off visiting mm-hmm. relatives in Michigan or something. So it was the same exact stuff. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So but I thought it was a really great uh, way to, you know, kind of bring part of the cast together, because obviously, you know, um, Lan had left. Mm -hmm. Um, partway through season one, so we weren't really sure when she was going to come back. I was really excited to see her right back in the first episode, and I thought they did a really great job of balancing the humor and kind of lightheartedness that you can get with Star Trek along with the seriousness of it, and that there are real stakes involved. Um, And then we got a look at our uh, new engineer, chief engineer, uh, which was just-
1: Oh my god! Oh man,
2: she is so great. <laughs>
1: Comedy legend Carol Ka- Carol King. I was gonna say Carol King. No, she was not singing. The Earth moves under my feet. <laughs> um, but oh my god, yes. The uh, she's the the and same job. She's the Tignataro of this show. You know what I mean? Yes. Just a, yeah. Oh my. Yeah, gosh. she plays
2: um, Commander Pella. Yeah, I believe. and uh, Pella, I thought she yeah. actually yeah Pelia. She came up with the accent. Uh, She decided that she was going to do that. And they were just like, sure, go for it. And I think she's a really great um, kind of switch from Hammer. Because obviously, Hammer was great. Everybody loved him. But I was really afraid that we'd just get like a new stoic kind of grumpy engineer. And it's very obvious that's not who she is. So I'm excited to see, like, I could see her pulling pranks in the future and just fucking around with people and I am 100% here for it. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs>
0: All there to see how she interacts with Spock. That okay. is going to be mm-hmm. I think going to be bring a number of highlights kind of how Neelix would mess with Tubok. Oh god. Yeah. I think <laughs> that is going to mess with Spock quite a bit.
2: Yes. I think this is going to be like a Bones type of
0: Yeah. Yeah, you know, Spock type of deal. oh my uh, you know, goodness what was cool was that she's older.
1: Yeah. So I was mm-hmm. surprised like, by that. Like Gaiman, yeah.
0: But not, I mean, like, the actor is older as well. Like, the, the appearance is older. I was curious. Uh, I thought we'd get kind of like a 30s, 40s, 30, 40 year old uh, actor mm-hmm. to play kind of within right. the cast because it's such a young cast, I feel. Yeah. yeah. Um, and no, and I think it's going to be a nice foil for Spock, but also it might be a voice of, of guidance similar to Guinan for Anson Mount uh, Pike to go to. Yeah. I think mm-hmm. that'll be really cool. Yeah.
1: Totally yeah. I'm excited it. for
2: them to to finally meet up
1: yeah <laughs> most deaf. all right i don't Miss- know if he
2: actually knows he has a chief engineer
1: <laughs> Yeah. oh yeah exactly I was, i've been away who's working here now i don't know who's on first spock you hired someone yeah exactly <laughs> yeah.
2: I, I told you just to keep it in the space doc <laughs> yeah.
1: I, ha- I had to take over as uh, as hr oh spock hr there we go that's the mm-hmm. second hr title we've had as a uh as uh, didn't didn't we have a, a, a like a borg hr was the was the most recent one um i can one of the more recent ones anyway missy your thoughts please
3: just to say i'm not sure he actually hired her so much as she hired herself which is even better yeah. <laughs> she's like basically i'm here i have nothing to do i don't teach anymore so deal with it
1: so she's a self-hire i like that better self-hire yeah. i mean there she's got go. the rank
3: uh i really like this episode because of pulling in more of Spock's human side, doing more of like the more reactional or emotional side. And I think it's yeah. really going to play out a lot more in season two. Oh, you have no idea. The that are <laughs>
1: Stop it, Charlie. I'm sorry. I get. Oh, I'm just busting. The Paramount people would beat me with a lash if I said any more.
3: But you know, just to be able to see that progression because they touched on it a little bit in season one, but it was always kind of more punitive, like, whoa, that's your human side. Like, whoa, what are you doing there? To now I feel like it's going to be like, okay, this worked out really well. Let's see what we can do with it.
1: Mm -mm -mm. It's good stuff. I love it. So yeah, it was, it was, it was a great start off. Now, Missy, I know you had a particular hang up about a little potential discovery callback, you know, um, but yeah because it was a Lieutenant Mitchell who is the the young Asian woman who sits at Nav said I think that's a crossfield class later in the episode when uh you have basically a trojan horse a, a captured starfleet vessel that the klingons are going to do a false flag uh to attack another klingon ship to reignite this war and they fly out a ship that has some bearing of kind of looking like that series of design. Um, but again, good. you know, if you want to cut her some slack, uh, you could simply say that hey, she didn't get a good look at it. Maybe the nacelles looked, you know, maybe the the saucer looked alike somehow. I don't know. It was, it was, I yeah, mean, yeah it was, a was
2: pretty summer. piecemeal.
1: Yeah, yeah, you're right. It could be, it could be just that. So, um, but yeah, um. This was great. We got traditional Klingons back. I say traditional, like traditional post-1979.
0: Absolutely the right choice.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely the right choice for all the reasons, because they explained
0: one element of continuity error when they did the eugenics. But the Discovery Klingons were such an outlier. and Yeah. Odd. And here we had Klingons that not only looked the part of traditional Klingons, but they acted the part. <laughs> That they was that was pretty bloodline. key. They yeah. were laughing, they were honorable, they were violent, they were silly. Right. They were re- they, they, there was no prune juice stoic murmur murmur her. No, yeah. they were having fun being Klingons as well as being badass. And that is such a refreshing take uh on it. And kind of a, ni- a neat little callback also with the Klingons on this planet where they're mining the lithium. They're doing like cloak and dagger stuff, very Romulan behavior. Yeah, mm, uh, and nobody, ta- you know what I mean, like right. Nobody kind of alludes to it because they don't. They don't know better at this point in the continuity. But like, right. the Klingons have always been up to shady stuff. Always doing mm-hmm. doing that, um, right? And I thought that was kind of a cool thing that I think went unsaid by at least the community, the Trek community that I, I saw.
1: Yeah. Oh, I love it. Good deal. Yeah. So definitely, definitely a killer start out. So, okay. Uh, I will, uh, any other thoughts before we move on? We're good. Cool. Great, Great episode. episode. Hey, and I
3: have all the thoughts about episode two.
1: So, oh my god, <laughs> hey, yeah. I, I wrapped this up literally before we came in here doing doing a reset. So, I'll read this one. Uh, season two, episode two is "Ad Astra per Aspera." Commander Una Chin Riley faces court martial along with possible imprisonment and dishonorable dismissal from Starfleet, and her defense is in the hands of a lawyer who's also a childhood friend with whom she had a terrible falling out. Wow. I'm going to let Luke's, uh, no, I'm going to let Missy start this time.
3: Okay. Wow. All of the feels for this one. Kay and I have already processed it out a little bit, but Mm -hmm. this is Strange New Worlds equivalent, but we feel, or at least I, I will speak for myself, one up from Measure of a Man.
1: Yeah. Our top contender uh, when we did our bracketology, it won. It won out of all 45 episodes, Luke. It was our number one choice of all of track.
3: Wow. But, but if it came down to Measure of a Man or this, I would have to vote this. Me because, too. Well,
1: Me too, believe it or not. Yeah.
3: Because with Measure of a Man, yes, you get to talk about, you know, what is humanity. But this examines what we actually have for humanity now with all of the humanoids And all the real world issues, you know, what LGBTQ people have to face, you know, when they're talking about, I had to hide what I really was inside because people wouldn't accept it and I would be persecuted for it. I mean, how do you not love that as a social commentary?
1: Oh, my God. Well, (laughs) which is, of course, what what, which is, of course, the bedrock that all Star Trek is based upon. So. Oh man. Well, I know, I know Kay's chomping at the bit. We'll, we'll <laughs> go back to our guest, though. Luke, where are you at with this one? So I thought in complimenting episode one,
0: the two episodes together encompass the best of Trek because in the beginning, in episode one, you had, you know, this renegade search for Spock esque, you know, no, we're leaving to go do the right thing because it's the right thing. And then the second one, you got a courtroom drama and a lot of great Trek happens in a courtroom. Uh, where you're doing the right thing because it's the right thing and, and you're exploring what the right thing means in both episodes. Yeah. Um, I found that I found episode two a little slow at first, but then once it rounds into its third act, it all comes together in such a way that you can rewatch the episode and just love it. Oh, um, yeah. I thought th- the the payoff was just worth it. It was great to see, um, I almost said Archer. It was great to see Pike <laughs> out there Uh, fighting for his people yet again. Uh, The revelations that took place, obviously we're talking spoilers, yes? Always, always. Um, (laughs)
1: The
0: revelations that she turned herself in and the brilliant courtroom tactics by her uh, ex, but now again friend, um, really well done. And I thought the investment of the crew in Una's fate really showcase them at their best you know we love her for mm-hmm. who she is what she's fighting for she's a good officer a good person she's doing the right thing and so the two episodes together i think encompass the best of what star trek is um and i really enjoyed that the one thing i i i was left wondering at the end was um the vulcan prosecutor mm-hmm. um what was his beef uh, his- does that get explained like the- did i miss it
3: the only thing that I could speak of is when Ortega's was in like the breakroom cafeteria and they were watching his exchange with Spock and Spock apologized. Like, sorry, you had to see that outburst.
1: he <laughs> yeah. stood up and walked away <laughs> somewhat haughtily. <hotly>. Oh, well, I'm, I'm so sorry.
3: <laughs> he had mentioned that it was someone. He was one that,
1: of Sarek's friends. Yeah, he yeah, was
3: one of Sarek's friends and he said it was his least favorite. So I imagine there's some background bad blood.
1: There. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, bad blood. Bad bad green blood. Ooh, bad green blood. Oh, there, there we go. Oh, now I got a name. <laughs> oh my gosh. All right. Um, Kay, please.
2: Yeah, um, you know, just echoing everything that everyone has said, um, yeah, you know, I agree with Missy. I do think this one uh tops a Measure of a Man, not because of anything against Measure of a Man. Again, that was an amazing episode, but this episode really spoke more to a critique of our society as of right now, like even watching it, it was really heartbreaking to see the celebration of Una and Nira and saying like, this is a first step, you know, we're going to get justice for the Illyrians. We're going to be changing these laws. And we know full well that a hundred years later, nothing really changes. And that, you know, <laughs> Bashir is still having the same issues and having to face the same challenges when he was, you know, genetically modified against his will. When and it, he nearly was kicked proud, out of Starfleet. Yeah. Um, and so, and again, though, that just reflects the same kind of things and the same kind of struggles that we go through as a society. Where, like, you know, yes, we had the emancipation of slavery, that didn't mean that you know black individuals were suddenly equal. Like, we still have right. to go through the civil rights movement. We're still going well, through a hundred years later. Now. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and, and six exactly. years
1: after that. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're still struggling, you know, and through a whole new civil rights movement for the LGBTQ community, which you know, how mm-hmm. how much long do we have another sixty years of that? Let's hope it's only sixty years, you know what I mean, or less, of course. So yeah, we we plod as a society to move forward, but yeah, it's a great example, and that was one that Todd said, like, how did she just get to go back to her job? Well, okay, that's a little suspension of disbelief, but they did it to Data, uh, they did it to Bashir, you know, Bashir, right. you know, uh, if you remember the end of that episode, it was called uh, Doctor Bashir, I presume, where Louis Zimmerman. Who was, of course, Robert Picardo, the creator of EMH, was working on creating a long term uh, medical hologram and be sure was to be the template. And through his research, he uncovered, you know, he brought his parents to the station and uncovered the fact that he was genetically engineered. And then he, they had to go through a, a, you know, stand in front of a tribunal of a Starfleet admiral who said, to You, we made a deal and your dad goes to prison, but you get to keep your medical practice. So it's kind of a weird, like, that's, that's Federation yeah. law, I guess, whatever. Honestly, but I, mean-
2: I think the one with Una worked more um, concisely just because yeah. there was a very clear cut law of she applied for asylum, yeah. which is what she is seeking now. And right. so as someone who applied for asylum, that means that, you know, they cannot hold her gen- genetic modifications against her, which means that she can be reinstated into her previous. Right. Law.
0: Agreed. They exploited a loophole as right. opposed to changing their minds on their wrongness. Right. You know? Right. Yeah. Right. The generation didn't backtrack or, right. or, or they, they and a loophole was executed too. The majority of the courtroom was very pleased that a loophole was found, it seems, mm-hmm. but there was no seeming effort to fix the wrong, or probably right the wrong of, you know, the aliens not being allowed to participate in Starfleet.
1: And I thought that was,
0: it was clever uh, and great writing.
1: Yeah. But yeah.
0: It, it continuously showed the that only, Utopia failed.
1: Yeah. yeah I, th- th- this resonates with me, one of the, this is the randomness that is my brain uh, in the movie Dirty Dancing at the end of it where, you know, nobody puts baby in a corner, you know, Patrick Swayze comes in and they're doing their dance, whatever. Jerry Orbach, whose baby's dad comes up, and says, I know it wasn't you with Penny, the girl who got pregnant. And there was the where he says, and he says, when I'm wrong, I say I'm wrong. And then I always say at that moment, but I'm not saying that now. <laughs> you know what I mean? So yeah, exactly. Uh, there's the preponderance of me being wrong, but that's not what I'm saying. So yeah, we can only go so far. So you're right; it it echoes the. the glacial pace placed by we as a as humankind really move things forward so mm-hmm. uh, a very very important episode so no doubt about it so cool other thoughts is that, has everybody everybody put their put their coins on the table are we good everybody's I would like oh yes please. i just want
2: to i want to make two points um nice. the actor who played nira uh, i think her name is yatide yeah. Uh, just phenomenal. I mean, cause she had a lot of speeches to go through and Heavy that book. look, yeah. yeah, that can come off, especially in a courtroom drama can come off real cheesy, real fast or real hokey. Yep. And she just devoured it. Oh my God. It was like,
1: absolutely was the amazing. Yeah.
2: Yes. Yeah. And then, um, when Pike hugged Una and there was that moment of him <sighs> looking like just, it was that moment of dad panic where Factor he like kindly shoulder. acknowledged for a yeah. moment, like I could have lost her and everything. And then he's like, Oh my gosh. And then he's like, Nope. Got to, got to keep it together. Yep, and just back. Peak again, peak acting, which is I wonderful. I love their relationship. And it's, I- so I, yeah,
1: I rolled my tears up at that one too and it's great to see, and Kay, I know you've commented on this on, in other relationships in Star Trek it's great to see that, oh, it's a man and a woman and we don't have to make it romantic it's just there's yes. nothing, they are too they are competent, they're, be, they're best friends mm-hmm. they're best friends and it has nothing to do with their sex, and it's just, yeah. I love it I absolutely love it Awesome,
0: Luke La, I loved La'Anne's uh, the way that she was asked to investigate and look into things and Uhura stopped her yeah, yes. hey, he's your mentor. You're mine. No. Yeah, love exactly. That moment. Um, yeah, love. on. Yeah, and, and Lon had to consider why she was mad, why she was angry. Um, I I enjoyed that uh, quite a bit. Um, I do not understand Star Trek's insistence for Gilbert and Sullivan references. I don't. <laughs> get it.
1: I am it, the very oh, model of a modern uh, major general.
2: <laughs> did you see the shorts? No. Oh, there is a there is a short um, oh, where yes. did the short like the, the logs. Yeah, the short tracks where Una and Spock get trapped in an elevator.
1: Yep, and mm-hmm. yep. They yep, yep, end yep. up
2: singing that song together.
1: Yeah, okay. right. Exactly. Okay, and so then, that, And then yes, it comes back in Insurrection with yeah. with Picard and Data singing in the shuttlecrafts, and that's how they capture him because he's malfunctioning.
0: One more thing we didn't say uh, before I, before uh, episode one, I would like the ship to go. I <laughs> love that moment. <laughs> oh, good.
2: well, or even the fact that they were uh, like then talking almost like ex like x ex- is something well, my previous captain liked to say zoom like, yeah, it was, right. like all of these really like kind of absurd things that people say
1: yeah. Could you keep a straight fade sitting sitting on a bridge where a captain says, up up and away. You know, yeah. or yeah, uh, go now, hit it, punch it, blah, blah, blah. I don't know. We <laughs> all we all as you know, uh, three of us here are Star Trek cosplayers, I guess we all have to come up with our own um our own you know catchphrase for making the ship go so think on it luke and I, I don't i don't know that you're a cosplayer but even if you're not think about it as captain. <laughs> we'll see what we can get going for you so well cool all right well let's wrap this up you guys this was awesome uh luke and Kay are going to be leaving us and missing that are going to be continuing uh, to talk about enterprise luke where do people find you out there on the internet please if you're so inclined to, to explore the video game verse, uh, I host a podcast
0: called the Xbox expansion pass. Uh, and you can find me on all your podcast services with, the, with XEP, uh, and then on Twitter at insipid ghost. Awesome. And Kay,
1: what about you?
2: Uh, you can find me on Twitter at quintessential geek, um, or QT geek, excuse me. It's Q underscore T geek. And then on, uh, did I say that was Twitter? Now I, I lost track. That's <laughs> okay. okay. That's Twitter. And then Instagram is, um, K
1: photoscape very nice and i am a moron because i forgot to pay homage uh to our wonderful patrons one of whom happens to be sitting on this program right (laughs) now uh the the folks uh over at patreon.com secret friends unite who make it uh possible for todd oxford myself and mark carabin and a lot of the other people you see uh on all of these recordings to make fun bonus content are individuals like missy merchant uh the fantastic Nias family that would be sean stella and henry andy Milliken, and jamie prinky we are very glad to have you thank you uh for giving us three nerds the chance to do that voodoo that we hopefully do so well all right gang uh brief pause for station identification. but luke and kate we will see you back here very very soon thank you thank you all right, we're back. Thanks to Kay and Luke for joining us for part one. So it's back to Missy and myself. We are starting a new show this week. Uh, it's it, Missy, it's interesting. I was noting that. Um, The last time we were talking about Star Trek Enterprise, uh, I was watching episodes when I was up north, actually near Neck of the Woods, exactly a year ago. I was watching several of these episodes in a hotel room in fabulous Sheboygan, Michigan. Oh, (laughs) you know the exact scuzzy hotel I was staying in. It was the only one I could find. But I always... I always travel with the Roku uh, and then with, you know, with a non-ancient television, I can plug it in the back so I don't have to watch, you know, basic cable and, you know, one channel of HBO. Uh, but anyway, we're back with Enterprise. This is season three, uh, which aired in the 2003 and 2004 television season, um, we're picking up from the end of season two, obviously, uh, where there was the Zindi attack, which was a um, not so subtle parallel to the 9-11 attacks that happened in this country just a year prior uh, or not even a year prior, just you know nine months prior to when that episode aired, um, where this you know, race from who knows where had a destructive probe that popped out of subspace and shot a laser beam at Earth that cut from Florida to Venezuela and killed 7 million people on Earth. And so, you know, Archer and the Enterprise came back. They muscled up. They picked up some Makos or the Marines, uh, the, basically the Space Marines, and then they shot off into this area of space known as the Expanse that was before that show that was on that Oxfrey is not successful in making me watch, uh, <laughs> where they, they launched it. They needed to find out what was going on. So um, in this first chunk of the sea, uh, season, we learn immediately uh, all about these Zindi. They are a one of the first multi-species um, uh, multi-species race, I guess, is the best way to say it because uh, Zendis are split into a uh, Missy, make sure I don't miss any. We have Zindi uh, insectoids and reptilians which are kind of the more malevolent. We have the Zindi aquatics which are literally just sea creatures that exist in a little sea tank because you see all of this in the... Um, in their little council chamber, there's a little window where there's a little fishy guy swimming around and going Aah! and thank god we have captions Um, (laughs) there's uh, Zindi primates which are basically kind of monkey looking kind of fellas and there are Zindi humanoids for lack of better expression which is actor Randy Zogelsby is the main guy, and he's an old Star Trek guy. So that's who we meet uh, in this first episode. But anyway, not to put the cart before the horse, I will jump in uh, with episode one of the season is simply called The Zindi, uh directed by Alan uh, Croker, who I, I listened to. If you listen to the Delta Flyers, where you hear Robbie and Garrett talking about it, big stalwart of uh, Star Trek Voyager as far as the director. This is a bur- uh, Berman and Braga. So this is written by the series creators. So, ostensibly right on the money uh, from September of 2003. Archer and Reed uh, in The Expanse visit a mining facility in order to track down a Zindi. So, all right, let's get it started. How do we feel about this as a season premiere?
3: Not my favorite season premiere of all the Star Treks. For the lead-in for the season arc, I think they did a decent job with it. Uh, and before I get too carried away, there was also the six Zindi species that's now extinct with the avians.
1: Oh, yes, absolutely. Which which we do find uh, evidence of it at, at a later point. Yeah, so it's a little further down the road. Um, and they're... Yeah, and their planet itself, Zendis, is uh, is uh, an asteroid field. They they fought long enough, if I'm remembering, because again, I have not watched forward. I know that you recently finished the season, but I've not done a full rewatch of the season in a couple of years, so I'm in some ways watching it as you know from somewhat untrained eyes. Uh, but yeah, it was it was warring between the species that destroyed their own planet, and then they fell in with. The true villains of the season, which we don't necessarily need to spoil, but the Sphere Builders, which we learn a little bit more about uh, in this uh, in this uh, group of episodes. So, uh, gratuitous near nudity alert: the Vulcan Nero pressure. So we had big complaints, and, and Kay was certainly a part of it because we, we did get her to watch one or two episodes, including us, uh, you know, the, the series pilot, Broken Bow, um, where it, much like you and I miss on the Packs of Geek Life, one of our Patreon shows, talking about Scott Bakula, and in the first sit what there were nine episodes in the first season of quantum leap he's shirtless or naked in all of them (laughs) so in this we get trip shirtless uh you get to paul shirtless but doing this modesty holding her hands over her breasts so i'm like well okay it's network tv but oh my god Fine. I mean, you know, it, it's not without its merits because obviously it's going somewhere. They're fostering, you know, they're building this will they, won't they? Between slow two burn. yeah, slow burn, two characters that you never really thought were gonna get along anyway. Um, so yeah, that's the B story because Trip is, you know, he's he's stressed out, he can't sleep, and so, you know, uh Flax is not able to, you know, successfully treat him with medication, so it talks him into basically sets this up and you kind of can figure out where this is going from there. So um some you know pretty exciting action sequences in the mining complex where this you know terrible uh mining foreman introduces them to a, a Zendi uh prisoner who is a miner there and then they have to do this kind of daring escape where they have to climb through this plasma tunnel and they escape at the last minute this plasma shooting up and so um yeah i mean and they, they have to wade through what was what was the line like you know uh a, a, a sewage refuge takes on a whole new meeting when it's from six different species. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the 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 thing they're going through, this, this sewer that they're going through is glowing yellow and green. I mean, I've never been in a sewer, but I thought it was usually pretty monocolored. I thought it was pretty much just brown. I don't know.
3: But you have, have you seen aliens before? I mean, we don't know what they excrete.
1: Yes, exactly. Yeah, they might they might be it, it might be all all goo all the time. So, um anyway, yeah, uh cool fun daring sequence of escape, um really gratuitous partial nudity um for the, you know, like ooh, it's boobies I mean, it was just basically what it felt like that they were showing off. So, um but anyway, okay, so uh then we jump into episode 2, take it away.
3: Oh, hang on. I don't have, I have my notes. Hang on. <sighs>
1: Not prepared. Oh, demerits. That's okay. You get you get a pass because you pay the bills.
3: <laughs> All right. So, season two, episode two, "Anomaly" by Dave Strain and Mike Sussman, September seventeenth, two thousand three. We see the crew of the Enterprise encountering the Delphic Expanse first Ooh. and and deal with pirates operating from a giant cloaked alien sphere.
1: Schwan schwan schwan. Yeah.
3: So I mean, I like this. I think it again not definitely like not one of my favorite episodes of the season. I feel like it's one that if you take out the external aspect of the pirates, yeah, they learn a little bit about the Zindi when Hoshi's able to kind of go through their ship's database. Yeah. And get and extract what 80, 90% of their information. That could have really come from anywhere. It yeah, didn't necessarily have to come from a pirate ship that's been just kind of hanging out and stuff. Arr, pirate ship. <laughs> um, I do like the like main bridge crew character development in it, specifically with T'Pol and Trip. Not necessarily even as their like budding relationship, but both with Trip and his PTSD and how it's becoming more apparent, and he's yeah. not able to kind of cloak it anymore. Yeah, And then also with the Paul at this point, she's had a little bit of not necessarily direct exposure, but indirect exposure to the trillium. So it's
1: kind of kind of
3: starting to seep into her system and you can see some changes on the horizon for her.
1: Right. Exactly. So, um, yeah, it's funny this had two tropes of not only star trek in general but but this show in particular um you have the final act big shootout where there's a bunch of explosions on the bridge and then they get away at the last minute um that happens a lot and it happened a lot on voyager as well but you had the somewhat manufactured uh you know uh archer had the one pirate in jail and then he's like i'm gonna throw him out an airlock and the guy's like you won't do that because you even though he doesn't know starfleet you seem far too decent to throw me out the airlock captain and it's like, ooh, it's just very manufactured. And I just I did I didn't care for that. Um and again, the the whole real downfall of Enterprise's a show is that, you know, we're we're horning in on over fifteen years of continuous Star Trek and too many of the beats repeating them is was unavoidable. Because there's only there's only so many cats in the bag of tricks. You know, ooh, cats in the bag of tricks? That, that's not a bad name for this episode as well. I don't know. What do you what do you prefer? Bad green blood or cat of a bag of tricks? Cats in the bag of tricks.
3: I think bad green blood.
1: All right. We'll stick with that bad green blood. So anyway,
3: as much of a, like an overdone trope that it is, I made note that it is a good starting example for what progresses through the rest of the season as Archer's moral downfall. So what Star Trek captain would put somebody in an airlock with the intent of if I have to go all the way and actually kill this person, if he doesn't give me the information, I'm okay with that. At this
1: point. right? It's, it's very Jane because Jane we did the same thing, in, in Voyager, uh, the uh, season five six clickhanger the Equinox, where she, you know, tortured the one crewman and was gonna, you know, let the let the interspatial e- alien eat him if he didn't give up his, you know, that if that guy didn't give up his captain. So yeah, you're right. You know, and I mean, in Voyager, Voyager did the, you know, bad captain in a terrible situation. What the hell I would do. Certainly, every cliffhanger, you know, and Janeway sailed through it. She always did great. Where Archer, I I just don't know. I just don't know. I feel like it was, it was maybe. Just too much of the same that was kind of dragging, and I and again, the downfall of the show is that I think the audience was kind of feeling it as well. You had diehards like myself that would never not tune in, and I'll still never not tune in no matter what they turn out. I'll still be watching, but for um, people who are just watching it, we're like, oh, it's a new Star Trek, and oh, it's the same old Star Trek. So yeah, it's a, it's a tough one. Um, not not am it's and it's none the more evident in episode three. Oh, Extinction, directed by LeVar Burton. Awesome. Jody LaForge. Uh, Andre Boreamis is, it was the, I believe he was, him and Niren Shankar were the science advisors uh, on Star Trek uh, Next Generation. So you got a real pedigree of great talent makers. September uh, of, 20, of 2003, uh, while pursuing this indie, which is what they're doing the whole time, uh, three crew members are exposed to an alien virus and begin to mucate into the Lokek, a long dead alien race. Wow, Planet of
3: the Apes,
1: Planet yeah, thank you very much. Yeah, Planet of the Apes. Um, nothing bugged me more than them talking in funny accents yet still talking in English. Um, back in the time where, you know, we didn't really have the UT, the Universal Translator. That was Hochi's job. Um, some real primitive CGI where, you know, Archer breathes in and then you zoom inside his chest and his heart, you know, oh, he did a Grinch. His heart grew three times its size. And then he got like an extra lung or like, an, an, a, like two pancreases or something. Like there was, we we're supposed to be like, ooh. But, you know, on a TV budget and from the fact that it's 20 years ago, I was like, ugh. It was funny. I watched it. I actually watched it on a small screen TV because I was here in studio i was doing something else but i'm like i gotta get through these enterprise episodes and in a lot of cases since i've seen them so many times i'll just background them and then i'm working on other podcast stuff and just listening and looking up when i need to but i was like "Ah." you know they go through this planet and you know to paul being that she you know because it's um it's Archer, Hoshi, and uh, Malcolm that are down on the planet with T'Pol, and of course T'Pol is affected, but she not as, as affected as much, so she can still see and think. But she gets she gets weird little prosthetics on her face. It's just, in some ways, it's kind of a cool sci-fi concept, you know. And the long dead alien race. It's not. Terribly different in its own way from like the inner light from TNG with Picard and, you know, getting zapped by the alien probe and living a 30 year lifespan in 30 minutes and coming away with this little flute and all that stuff. It's the same concept, but this is just, just, just corny. I just, I just get like, oh, look I'm just, I just, oh, I just can't, I just, I just couldn't take it. I thought it was bad then. And it, it certainly has not, you know, the CGI piece of it has not aged well. Um, we had an appearance of, uh, uh, we had a guest actor who was someone native to the star system they were in. And he was played by the same dude who was Curtis in a few episodes of a few seasons of 24, which I've mentioned a zillion times is one of my favorite shows from Fox back in the old days. Um. That was the only recognizable face, but yeah, they're in th- this other race. Uh, once they found out somebody was infected because they did it to one of their own crew members, they go down to the planet to hunt down our people. And one of their people gets a tear in his EV suit and he gets infected. So they just set him on fire. It's cool. You know what? Yeah. Death by fire. It's, it, it's, yeah, you know, it's, it ain't no thing. So, okay. Uh, other thoughts about the episode? Where'd you land?
3: Uh, again, really didn't love like the whole as soon as it came up i was like oh my god it's it's a really cheesy planet of the apes
1: oh my god and this was right around the same time that tim burton remake with uh marky mark uh came out that ended with you know abraham lincoln you know he shows up at the lincoln memorial and uh, my god holy crap was that a bad remake of that film he's no okay. chuck heston
3: <laughs> i will say that again with the like the archer arc which is hard to say the arch-,
1: arch, arch, arc. arch, 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 <laughs> arch, A shark. Oh. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> with that, like his descent into madness. Again, an example of like the blurred morals of the Zindi attacked earth. And if I have to wipe out the entire race, it's fine. And then-
1: kill it with <laughs> fire. <laughs> exactly.
3: And then the other, you know, to look at the other species to be like, Hey, this infected our people. You have to die. And he's like, Oh, well just hang on just a second. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Just a minute. <laughs> and the part that actually I, while I don't like it as like a Star Trek or an enterprise episode, I love the underlying tone of, this is like the third time that on an away mission to Paul's had to essentially parent other Memories. oh yeah and
1: it started real early because they went to the planet where the it was like the m night Shyamalan thing where right. the wind was the enemy and yeah. she was like all right you guys come on let's all get around the campfire we'll- with
3: each other yeah give me, the, well, give me the
1: gun we'll have some fruit roll-ups and then you can drink your juice box and then it's sleepy time
3: but then also <laughs> the aspect of there, there's like the, the DePaul part then there is a uh, trip who's left in calm who's hating every moment of getting drugger around the ship. Like, when are they going to get back home? And yeah. To come back together of like mom and dad of, do you know how your kids were today? Do you know what happened at this house while you were yeah. gone? Yeah. I love that part.
1: Yeah. Like dad coming home from work. Oh, I had a, I had a terrible day. The train ran over my hat and I, you know, my, my boss yelled at me and do you know what's going on around here today? Your son, you know, got it kicked out of school and then your daughter punched another girl and called her a stupid, blah, blah, blah. you know? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So oh my god aspect of it. yeah that was that was pretty cute so okay well if uh, gratuitous tna is your thing i think episode four will be a great read so take it away uh i'm terrible at the name is it Regine? Ru- i think it's regime yeah. Uh, yeah like vision <laughs>
3: yeah
1: <laughs> so
3: episode four regime uh, by Mike Fehar. so October 1st, 2003, a slave girl Archer rescues from an alien bazaar, seeks refuge aboard Enterprise, but betrays the crew. Don't I don't get,
1: I, I don't know if my audio is good enough for you to hear the eyes rolling back in my head. What a stinker, you know. know. It's just, I mean, the gr- the girl's a total, and they do the same plot line in season four with, with three Orion girls. Big surprise because. That's the deal. And that was in that episode. You, you really learned that it's Orion. It's Orion's are basically Beyonce who runs the world. Girls who mm-hmm. runs the world. Girls. Well, yeah, in this, she, she's a Zindy flunky. She's obviously, she has this ability where she can absorb biological data by stroking someone. Oh my God. So she's stroking Archer and then she's stroking to Paul. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God, this just, yeah, and yeah, the alien bazaar where she's like, well, you know, we can, uh, you know, anything that you would like. It was like the, I don't know if you're much of a fan of the Rolling Stones, but in the late 60s, they did a, uh, do you remember, are you familiar with the Rock and Roll Circus? Oh, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> the one hour that, this was very much oh Mick Jag on the Rock and Roll Circus. <laughs> oh my god. The Star Trek Circus. I'm not yeah and I'm we're sticking with the episode title but that could be a that could be a runner up. This was a serious stinker. Z- zero out of 5 stars for me.
3: Yeah, would not recommend.
1: Oh my god. Yeah. I mean, I don't even I don't even really know what else that you could say. It was Again, it-
3: Keeping the psych thread cuz doing the psychology of Trek season three enterprise is going to be a big chunk of it as far as information they had. So one thing that stood out to me is when she's having this, you know, I'm going to stroke all the crew members that I can and get their
1: (laughs) I'm going to stroke them. (laughs) I'm I'm stroking. That's what I've been doing. That's an old, that's an old song too. (laughs)
3: Uh, but when she is doing that with T'Pol, the way that T'Pol has that visceral reaction to her mind meld assault earlier in season one,
1: yeah, she, you know, brought right.
3: back that this is what's happening. I don't like this and I have to try and fight it off response. More quit stroking so me. Had, yeah. More so than quit str- season one.
1: Quit stroking my heart around if it was Stevie Nicks. <laughs> oh. But yeah,
3: as far as episodes go, ugh.
1: Yeah, this was a this was a O out of five, big thumbs down. All right, well, let's move on. Uh, episode five is you know what's nice about the season is twenty four episodes, so we're six, 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 and six. Uh, but this is episode five of six. Impulse. Uh, David Livingston again, big name in the series. Screenplay first piece of work by Terry Metalis, the guy behind Picard. This is where the dude got his start. He was a, he was, uh, he was I I think S means showrunner because we have show and we have screenplay. Yeah, I don't know. But anyway, this is the first time I've seen Terry Metalis's name on anything. Um, and the teleplay is, uh, Jonathan Fernandez October of 03. Enterprise encounters a Vulcan ship whose crew has become unstable, uh, due to trillium D exposure this was hinted at, uh, in the series finale of season two with uh, another ship that was sent in to found this ship turn around and came out. But the people had all the crew members had all killed each other Uh, to Paul soon as it begins to exhibit the same symptoms while they're running around on this ship. Total horror movie vibe I mean this this was and again this came out in October so boom somebody did something right um, but yeah torn up ship you know deck plates missing so they have to jump across or walk on a narrow ledge and that you know they're trying to escape on the uh, over on the away team when they find the ship it's uh it's Archer to Paul Reed and then you have you know ensign Ricky <laughs> you have one of the Makos Makos by the way we haven't really talked about it's the mo- uh military strike command something or other military operations
3: command. yeah
1: operations. military assault command uh their leader is actor steven culp who i love the show jag he was um a main recurring character in jag whose name i'm going to forget but he was a dod guy or something he was a foil to harm and mac who were the main characters on that show i don't know do you do you, you what i mean you like quantum leap did you watch any of belisario's other shows
3: i did i wasn't as big into jag but i definitely picked up on ncis when it jumped off
1: yeah which, i which hear was you to start
3: in jag so
1: exactly and and ran twice as long as jag did isn't it and it's still running that's a favorite of
3: it's like season 20 something
1: my god yeah that's yeah uh, jag, and jag ran 10 but anyway this is not the jag podcast but maybe we'll get to that in the fact that would make Todd so pissed if we did a fax of geek life about jag because he loves to make fun of how much I love that show <laughs> uh, but anyway um so yeah this was a great horror movie thing a vibe running around and again you start to see to start to go nuts um but, you know, at the end of it, of course, of course, they're able to escape. But all these Vulcans, they can't really save any of them. Um, references this episode will come back uh, in the second episode next season when they're doing the big debrief of the big mission. Because, uh, uh, so, you know, uh, Saval, the Vulcan ambassador, uh, 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 Matt, uh, the hell's the actor's name? You know the guy I'm talking about uh, Is debriefing this and he says well we don't really know what Happened there and blah 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 but yeah that You know they do whatever they could but all these Vulcans They're they're too compromised and When they get to pull back to the ship They're able to stabilize her but the damage is permanent And this is something that we're going to see As you had mentioned in the, in the previous Episode it's going to continue To alter her character and then Really put the foot to the pedal with Her burgeoning relationship with Trip as she Decides to explore certain Feelings that are happening in her loinal area as it were. Uh, it was very but yes, nice
3: Shatner acting right there. It's going to I
1: explode. like the Vulcan nudity that <laughs> comes after this. <laughs> so anyway, other thoughts about this one?
3: Uh, I again, I this is my psych season for Enterprise. The way that T'Pol's reacting both when she's on the ship with the other action with the Vulcans, but also we know is because of the effects of the trillium D. It was such a good analogy for me of she's terrified because she doesn't know how she feels with the exposure to this chemical, but also she's having to fight for her life against her own people. It's like, this is a battle against myself.
1: Yeah. Allow myself to present myself. Myself. I'm Richie Cunningham, and this is my wife, Oprah.
3: (laughs) Allow myself to kill
1: myself. (laughs) Yes, exactly. I'm killing myself for this. Um, but yeah, it was pretty sweet. Uh, I, I, I enjoyed that, that portion of it as well. So, okay. All right. Take us home with, you know, if, if we could find a, we, know, uh, if we could find a weaker episode for like, oh boy, I thought Rajin was really bad, but then we get to episode six. All yours.
3: Alert. Geesh.
1: Sorry. <laughs> Did I step on your moment? <laughs> no, <laughs> there's no, no moment to step on. There's no moment to step on.
3: So Episode 6, Exile, by Roxanne Dawson. Phyllis
1: Yay! Blah.
3: October 15, 2003. They e- Ugh, It's terrible enough. It's the Beauty and the Beast tale involving uh, Hoshi encountering a potentially helpful telepath on a deserted world. <sighs> <Ugh>.
1: <sighs> so you know what? It's... Wrong with it's- it somebody handed somebody went into the writer's room with a with a checklist of tropes they went up to a whiteboard i don't even know if they had whiteboards let's say it was a blackboard and they grabbed the eraser and they just went or maybe back in those days i remember like you know corporate boardrooms they would have those big white flip boards they would say okay tropes um damsel in distress uh tortured anti-hero uh come on give me some come on work with me here let's workshop this one come on give me some more tropes
3: beauty and the beast We gotta have a monster love story
1: yeah there you go gotcha so yeah this was a long-lived alien who can't escape which was even a star trek trope because it came from the original series and in season three the requiem from methuselah with flint the guy who couldn't escape but he built himself an android because that's something people do that's what this guy should have done you know if he had a, more brain cells to rub together he would have built himself a, a fuckbot pardon the expression <laughs> uh and then he would have had no problems yeah so he's he's trying to sweet talk hoshi because he's a telepath and he's using all this little little things to trick her to be be like, you really ought to stay, and and you know, and Enterprise has to conveniently go off in another direction. She stays there for a couple days, and he's trying to romance her, but he's like, "Yeah, I've had five companions outlive them all, and here they are in my graveyard. Won't you come <laughs> back inside and have a drink?" Yeah, God, literally, exactly. Hello, Jonestown of Star Trek here. Oh my God. But also,
3: like, I'm trying to woo you into how amazing we could be together after initially contacting you by stalking you and mind-fucking you.
1: Yes, exactly. Mm, Don't mind that
3: part. That was not a red flag.
1: But really, I'm a very nice guy.
3: Exactly, with a it, graveyard it, of X's. That's totally
1: yes, funny. exactly, and you, that you don't know how they died. He, he could have buried those five chicks last week. <laughs> you don't know exactly. Uh, they we, totally, we totally died, died of natural. They got in there. <laughs> yeah, they totally died of natural causes. One arm sticks up. Help me! Stomp, <laughs> stomp, stomp. Oh my god! Um, yeah, it was just like, oh my god.
3: <laughs> and again, with Archer getting like more and more into the depths of his own his own ego and his own madness. Yeah. It's at what point would you say this is, you know, Hoshi is like our communicators, our, our linguist. We need her in every aspect. Oh, this random dude mind fucked you and wants to hold on. To- now that is fine. We'll come back in a couple days. That's fine.
1: He, he's got some good <laughs> yeah, information. Funny. If you can see, if you're watching us on YouTube, you can see my air right. quotes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's just, Oh,
3: it yeah, like goes I- back to that, this like hard on he has for the Zindi battle of yes, we have to get the Zindi and it's so, I'm so dead set on it. I've got such bloodlust that I'll yeah. take the only person I have for communications. And eh, it's fine. If you die, it's whatever. Just get the information first
1: we're all gonna die yeah exactly could you get that to us and then we got eh, you know collateral damage whatever i figured maybe 20 25 it was like in you know in die Hard, where the guy there in the helicopter says uh we take out the, we take out the rooftop maybe lose 20 percent of the hostages i can ex- i can deal with that <laughs> anything less than
3: 20 is totally acceptable
1: <laughs> exactly that's a very that's a fifth it's a very small number all right okay well let's wrap up the six pack let's have a favorite and a least favorite
3: I'm going to say favorite is going to be Extinction. It,
1: That's yeah, your favorite? Like, Extinction yeah. with the Lokek. Really?
3: It, it is in this group. Uh, I'm Bold. Again, I, I really like it. Basically for the T'Pol having to mom the kids in the park and Trip trying to keep home down when he has no idea how mom actually runs everything. And then coming together of, you don't even know what it's like. You don't even know. You don't understand what it's like when you're not here.
1: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) Understood. You know what? That's, that is a unique perspective. I really appreciate that. Cool. All right. Um, And how about a favorite?
3: That was my favorite.
1: That was your favorite. How about a least favorite? That's what I meant to say. Beauty and the Beast, hands down. (laughs) Na, 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 sucks. (laughs) It's a bunch of crap. (laughs) I can keep going, but I won't. (laughs) Oh, my God.
3: Nothing else needs said
1: yeah exactly oh my god well it's it's tough to punctuate you know i'll go least favorite favorite rajin was like i said zero stars do not recommend here's a chick with big hoots and she's gonna she's gonna basically molest anyone she touches because her whole she's gathering bio data for a new bioweapon which is what she was there for but he rescues her from an alien bazaar, and she's all oh captain she's like, you're not my property it's just oh my god i know trope <laughs> Trope spectacular. And then I loved impulse. I love the horror movie vibes, you know, and I love that this was, what I thought of these episodes made the the, the the most lasting impact of character development and how T'Pol is fundamentally changed on a biochemistry level. You know, she's, she's less able to suppress those those Vulcan emotions now because mm-hmm. she's been changed by Trellium. So, oh, all right. Okay. Well that does it for part one of season three of Enterprise. So we will return uh, in our next episode to take on another six, uh six chunky wonky. So Missy, as always, it's a pleasure. Where do people find you out there?
3: Mostly on Instagram and it's at uh mama merch underscore thirty three. You can also find me on Twitter, less active there though, that's at Senora Vicero.
1: You're only active when I tag you on something, because I'm more active on Twitter. Uh, you can find me there at the C3. Uh, I uh, shared a, uh, a meme about uh, the Prodigy cancellation, which got reshared over 200 times, so that's my 15 minutes. I was talking about that uh, on SFU today. But um, yeah, that's where you can find me. Uh, April, uh, my wife and I, along with Missy, run the USS Grand Petoskey. That is one of the largest chapters of Starfleet, the international Star Trek fan club in the world. We are based here in West Michigan, but we have uh, members all over the state of Michigan. I also actually head up Region 13, which is Michigan and Eastern Canada. If you are a Trekker within the sound of my voice and would like to meet other Trekkies in your area, please seek us out at uh, the Grand Petoskey website or socials of the same name, uh, and we will uh, connect you with somebody therein. Uh, One last time, I also want to thank, Missy included, our awesome Patreons. I did forget to mention if you visit patreon.com slash Unite URL eligible for a free one-week trial uh, of our programs. Choose any tier level, and then you got seven days to listen to our awesome shows. As soon as Missy and I get off here, we're actually going to record an episode of The Facts of Geek Life, where we take a classic genre or animation show, we pick a handful of episodes, and then we break it down some with hilarious results. Um, to, uh, Todd, who's my partner over on SFU, we do a great show uh, about comics called The Spinner Rack. Uh, Mark, our third partner, jumps in with some commentary with his uh, his nerd uh, Corner and uh, my wife April and I do quarterly a bad movie review show where we take something classic and just tear it apart. And Kay and Missy uh, have spearheaded our awesome interview program on the Personnel Files, where we talk to folks like Doug Jones. Tara Rosling and John Billingsley amongst others. So yeah. We want
3: to drop in a week or so. There's a
1: new one. Yep. First part of July. So not that you have to wait, but you know what? Doing it right in July, you're going to hear some cool new content. So, well, all right. Well, with that, I'm going to thank everybody for joining us. I'm going to tell you that sharing is caring and to keep on trekking.
3: And may you always find hope in the stars.
1: This podcast is part of the secret friends
0: unite podcasting network.